0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, July 9th, 2022. I was going to name the episode today. Well, originally it came to me, "Taming the Storm." And then for a moment, it was calming the storm. And then I realized, no, it's taming, taming the storm. What does it mean to tame a storm? And where do we begin? Can we tame a very large storm? Can we only tame the little storms, which may seem very large, within ourselves? The answer, because of omnipresence, because of the omnipresence of the divine, which is within each and every one of us, the answer is all storms can be miraculously tamed throughout the world. We are living in a time where we may be observing and we've always lived in times where we've observed or experienced very physical storms. And those storms can be very literal in the sky. They can be societal and they can be in our own lives. Storms are everywhere in the human experience. And yet, there is this place, the theme of this ongoing broadcast, this frontier beyond fear. Because a storm and how we respond to a storm has to do with fear. Oh, there are times a storm is coming and we need to seek shelter. Sometimes fear, when it's acting as a motivator, something that um, is not Dominating us, but really is kind of our old instinct, like our intuition. In fact, it's even better to substitute that for fear when you know something is not right about that storm. And you trust your intuition, your inner compass, your guidance to find shelter. That can happen. I've had all kinds of experiences with very real storms. I have seen a funnel cloud form right overhead. I have watched them dance in the sky. When you see a funnel cloud, by the way, and one of them was quite famous um, many years ago, it's a mesmerizing thing. The storm in itself can captivate us. There is something about a storm storm that is just stunning in its majesty, even in the midst of its danger. And so people, and I just happened to catch this after I had been watching a storm uh, myself, I saw, I turned on the weather channel and they were, they had some, Um, program coming on about people doing just that, just standing there watching a storm. And people will watch tornadoes that are coming really close. There was a video I saw a few weeks ago of a tornado approaching, and it's amazing how long the person was watching this tornado come. But see, that's the thing, is when there is a storm, it is just captivating. You've never seen anything like it. Or maybe you have, but very rarely. And some people even chase storms and they look for storms because they're so unbelievable that such a thing could exist. I believe that there is evidence that very high power tornadoes may even be similar To the Philadelphia experiment where things can literally get warped within that vortex because you see all kinds of strange things within a very powerful tornado like a blade of grass driven into a piece of wood which it shouldn't be able to do or other things like that. Maybe not to that degree and people talk about. Another experience in the famous um, Joplin tornado, and this person was actually on my program at one point. Um, Gosh, what's her first? I think her last name is Leach. I know that. And she had observed all of these children within this giant tornado who were caught in the storm. They were seeing These butterfly people, that's what they call them. And they independently were talking about it and drew them. And they didn't say, oh, these are angels. Whatever they were, it's a mystery. And to this very day, there's a memorial to the butterfly people in Joplin, Missouri. If you ever happen to drive through there, or there used to be, I haven't been through there in quite a while. I've never seen the memorial. And it shows the drawings that the children made. We may not understand a storm. There is a mystery in the storm. Sometimes they silently pass like a storm I just happened to be positioned to watch last night. It was quite spectacular and no doubt it could have caused some kind of damage somewhere. And it was sunset and the clouds were lit up or starting to light up. There was a very dark part. There was a part that if you didn't know any better, you'd think a tornado could drop down at any point. But I wasn't expecting a tornado, maybe hail. But I wasn't in the path of this storm. I was watching it. It was so very quiet. I heard not even one clap of thunder. I saw no, no lightning. I just saw it pass. And you will see that very storm or a part of it pictured on the show page today. There are many types of storms. I know that one type of storm is when a family member is having a health crisis. For example, I had an experience That was very intense years ago when my child was going through a very, um, you know, rather scary health crisis. And surely right now, a lot of people have dealt with that in recent years. Somehow, because of this notion, which I've mentioned before, the peace that passeth understanding, a peace that you never knew you could find. And sometimes the connection to the spiritual is amazing in those places. And these are times when you need to tame the storm within yourself. A storm is not only outside of you. You may be caught. And many of us, if we look at the state of the world right now, it can feel like utter chaos at times. And yet, where do we find the peace that passeth understanding? And by the way, that's from a verse in the Bible in Philippians. I believe it's 4-7. I didn't bring it up, but it's close. Where do we find that peace? Spiritual path is filled with gifts for us. It's not just for each of us individually, it's for all of us. When we can find that peace, that trust, that knowing, that omnipresence that is within, when we can find that. Space, which, yes, is the space of miracles. When we can breathe and trust and know, when you get to that point, which is a wonderful place, when you know, when you simply know, you know because it's there, because you've seen it, because you've seen. The miracles. And if you are just entering into this space of miracles, let it happen and observe because they will reinforce themselves for you. And every time a storm arrives, you will be stronger. And by being stronger, you will help everybody else around you, not only in obvious logical ways, but in Those ways that are mysterious because of omnipresence, because we are not separate from one another, even as we are beautiful, beautiful individuals living our unique and special lives. Value who you are. Value every bit of your journey. Every bit of it is bringing you to this moment now and every bit of it will bring you into the future you are growing in ways that you cannot possibly begin to even imagine we don't know what is right around the corner the storm i watched last night i turned i was sure it was going to cause some kind of damage or was already and the interesting thing is it just broke up and went away. It dissipated. Sometimes fear, and even what can feel like logic, absolutely, um, is so very powerful where it's just like nothing is going to tame this storm. You know, this storm is going to go on and on and rage, and who knows what's going to happen with this storm. That is not a path that is compatible with the path of miracles. Did that storm dissipate because of a physical phenomenon? I Yes, they said it had to do with just the characteristics of where it was heading and it just broke up. That's what the meteorologist said. Can other storms or even a storm like that be influenced by a miracle? Of course. They can, everything can. We have got to change our inner conditioning that repeatedly tells us voices that are not our own that say that these things are impossible, that there is no spirituality, that all you have is the material world. This is a form of conditioning this is an overreaction to many years ago when people making genuine scientific observations were threatened with being burned at the stake. So we overcorrected, we threw spirituality out, we threw miracles out. We, you can't really, but you can pretend You can deny, you cannot want to look, you can put blinders on and never even try to look for things that are incompatible with such a limiting worldview. We can't afford to allow that worldview to dominate us anymore. Those of us who know, those of us, yes, in the scientific community who know And you don't have to be in the scientific community, but yes, there are people in the scientific community who have made objective observations. We know, we know that it's real and we simply are spinning our wheels and we're really causing a lot of damage now to our society by not, I mean, the damage is just beyond comprehension, but it doesn't mean it can't be repaired there is a storm of blindness. I mean, there are people who are just so caught up in a storm. It's like they're in, I know some of you live in places where there are blinding dust storms or sandstorms, storms. And it, it's as if they're caught up in that and they don't want anyone else to have the opportunity to see. Or just because they are in denial and are in living in a limited world. They think that everybody else has to live there. And many of them truly believe that is the world. Well, I have news for them. It's not. <laughs> and if you want to know what's really there, you need to look. You need to be open to the. what do you have to lose to look for what is real. There are many other ways that we can tame our inner storms. Go out into nature. When it isn't storming is preferable. Look at the beauty that nature has to offer you. That alone can help tremendously. I have told this story before of when I had a child in the hospital, actually a teen at the time, and I, went in the hospital room, from the window. Once we got through the really scary parts. Which were really a storm, and I needed my spirituality. And when I needed reassurance, it was there for me. That I'm going to go through some of this again for those of you who may be dealing with this right now. When, when I had, and I've had other um, loved ones, but this was particularly intense. Where you're with someone in the hospital, look for beauty out the window. Was a phenomenal beauty. A forest was right there. There can always be beauty to find in your midst. The chapel in the hospital was a place of tremendous peace. Just sitting there, it wasn't really, I mean, I wouldn't say there was tremendous beauty in the chapel, but there was an atmosphere there of peace, of calm, of taming. Fear can be like something wild, something out of control. A a storm can be that way. That's why taming is the word. Oh, you could calm it all together eventually, but first it must be tamed. I was watching, I haven't seen this movie in so long, I just started to watch the movie Seabiscuit. The other night, and I'm only halfway through, and it's based on a true story about a racehorse. But I had forgotten how the beginning and really the story itself has so much to do with both. The very beginning has to do with industrialization, which we've talked about on this program, as to whether it has ultimately, will industrialization have been a positive thing for humanity? or a negative thing for humanity in the long term. It could be just a flash of all this stuff, all these amazing capabilities. Oh yeah, people want to go to space and so forth. But is it really the lasting and most effective path of growth? I'm using it right now. We all grew up in it. But in this in Seabiscuit it actually starts showing how you know people let go of their horses because the car came along and the person who owned Seabiscuit, and this is based on a true story, um, was a car salesman or he became a car salesman in the early days of selling cars. But in the introduction, they show how people let go of such incredible talents when industrialization arrived, and they called it both Um, They said it was a gift in a way, but also saw the negative. They saw the positives and the minuses, and there are both. And how they would talk about how tailors, you know, were no longer really needed, or seamstresses, they ended up sewing buttons, or, you know, they show them in um, some industrial setting, which at times were very, very oppressive. And I know that some of you are around the world, and you may have something like that right down the street and um and you know it it's no good thing when there is no consideration for the well-being of those who work in such a place and the world is racing 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 as it always does when we are um following that industrialized um way um, we aren't even thinking about like these so-called solutions that we've come up with that's going to involve extensive mining Um, you know what kind of ravages will that cause and will it even work I mean we need to really get ourselves to a place where we are paying attention to truth in a logical way as well and I don't know the answer Exactly. But I don't think it's going to prove to be what people think it is, because it's not working. This is not working. It is not working long term for humanity. And having abandoned spirituality or put it up on a shelf, you know, some people will pay lip service to it, but they don't ever want to declare it as something that's an intrinsic part of who they are and what they choose to do. That's only hurting us. I don't know the answer for all of us. I really do not. But what I do know is that it's to be found within the trust in all that is possible. The greater all. Not this limited, limited, short-sighted, blind little box. Because that's exactly... Somebody, um, I saw this word again just yesterday, the word scientism. That's not science. That is something else. It is an illusion, really. Science is an honest exploration of truth. True science would not be influenced by any biases or finances or who's funding what or Um, It would be openly exploring truth. Science has always changed because somebody had the courage to openly explore truth. And what do you know? They discovered something totally new and a paradigm shifted. I'm going to downshift a little bit. I'm aiming to keep these shows a little bit closer Um, not over an hour, but closer to 30 minutes, maybe a little over 30 minutes probably. But um, I am aiming to do that more because there's always plenty to say and plenty of shows to say it in. But I do want to quote a couple things, as I'm known to do. And from now on, I will continue to quote wherever I'm guided. There is no design to this. There is no plan. This is where I'm guided. And I also tend to quote older sources for a reason because there's no copyright on those sources. So if you wonder why I'm not quoting some recent poem, yeah, in fact, I looked at one today, I considered, but yeah, I didn't know the copyright, and so I can't quote those on the program. These are all very old and out of copyright, so they can be, they can be quoted. Ralph Waldo Emerson, I believe... I turn to this today, and it needs to be said. Although I was in the section of the book, he once again is a transcendental idealist. He lived between 1803 and 1882, and this is from the beginning of his essay, Nature. Our age is retrospective. It builds the sepulchers of the father's. It writes biographies, histories, and criticisms. The foregoing generations beheld God and nature face to face, we through their eyes. Why should not we also enjoy an original relation to the universe? Why should not we have a poetry and philosophy of insight and not of tradition and a religion by revelation to us and not the history of theirs? Embozzled for a season in nature whose floods of life stream around and through us and invite us by the powers they supply to action proportioned to nature. Why should we grope among the dry bones of the past or put the living generation into masquerade out of its faded wardrobe? The sun shines. Today, also, let's just leave it at that. He lived in a different time now, didn't he? That he lived at a time where we were only, let's see, does it say when this particular, I'm not sure when this particular S is a very famous, essay of his I'm not sure when it was written exactly it doesn't say right here but you know he lived in the 1800s when the world was changing and he was really thinking about what is spirituality and how do we understand it but being in relationship to nature was incredibly important to him and also listening to intuition listening to guidance notice how you're inseparable From nature, and Ralph Waldo Emerson spoke of such things in his own time, in his own way. I know that we are nearing the end of the live show, so I'm going to pause for a minute, but I won't go on too long today for those of you who will be coming back to listen to the podcast. Or I do welcome those of you who have been here all along listening to the podcast across time. Remember, in the of omnipresence, there is no time. There is no separation of time or of space. That is the magic of it. That's what omnipresent means. Thank you so much to Blog Talk Radio, where this program originates every Saturday, most Saturdays. 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. If I miss a Saturday, please do catch up in the archive, as I know some of you do. A note to my followers. I have heard that um, emails are no longer going out on shows um, to tell you that there's going to be a show, even though, or even to tell you when a show has been broadcast. So you're going to have to pay attention to FrontierBeyondFear.com. Or just look for the program because you're not going to get an email. And I'm considering how to maybe go about that in the future if there's a way. Um, I haven't made a decision on that because I'm I'm not necessarily wanting to start my own email list. But in any case, if you're not getting notifications, you're not alone. Um, and so um, just letting you know that this program can be found on other platforms as a podcast. Um I am thankful once again to Blog Talk Radio as I see it has been highlighted today on their homepage while live and also on the live spirituality page. So I also want to share that note of gratitude. So again, Um, I won't repeat this at the very end, so this is really to everyone, (laughs) but um, thank you again to those of you listening live. Um, I had another writing, someone very close, and again, um, this one I actually did look for, although I wasn't looking for the specific passage, but we are going to revisit again Henry David Thoreau, this time Walden. 1817 to 1862, he lived. And I actually have not even reread this passage to myself. I turned to it, and I felt that it was a good thing to read at the end of the show today. So we won't be going too much farther past this. This is um, when he talks about Walden, many people know, is about um, his experience living in the woods and in nature, and his observation. This passage is about when he left the woods. So I'm going to read it. I turned to it, and again, I didn't even review it before the show, but I've read it in the past. I left the woods for as good a reason as I went there. Perhaps it seemed to me that I had several more lives to live and could not spare any more time for that one. It is remarkable how easily and insensibly we fall into a particular route and make a beaten track for ourselves. I had not lived there a week before my feet wore a path from my door to the pond side, and though it is Five or six years since I trod it, it is still quite distinct. It is true, I fear, that others may have fallen into it and so helped to keep it open. The surface of the earth is soft and impressible by the feet of men, and so with the paths which the mind travels. How worn and dusty then must be the highways of the world, how deep the ruts of tradition and conformity! I did not wish to take a cabin passage, but rather to go before the mast and on the deck of the world, for there I could best see the moonlight amid the mountains I do not wish to go below now wow that is beautiful because I didn't read it I read all of this before myself but I did not read that passage before the program and do you see how that echoes the thoughts because we are stuck again we've been stuck in other ruts of thinking that were not helpful to us, there was a time where that rut was if you didn't conform to a particular view, you were going to get burned at the stake, for example. So then the materialists came to be, and now there's a different way that people who don't conform are um, not literally burned at the stake, but certainly um, not taken seriously. And they are stuck. In the rut of materialism, what Henry David Thoreau just told us is when you find that place where he did find a way to tame whatever storm he needed to tame by going out into nature, and no, even he couldn't stay out there, and no, but very few of us can. We can be fortunate to incorporate nature into our lives. And I'm sure many of us do. And if you don't, I highly encourage you to do so. I do as much as possible. I took a walk this morning and it was wonderful. It makes a big difference. And we still have our work that we need to do. Some of us may be, you know, at a point of retirement and you can just enjoy nature just like you did as a child. But we can all incorporate that. But the point, the point. And this is true of spirituality, my friends. Once you, as he put it, are up on deck and not down below, where you actually tend to be in darkness, right? You can't. It's not even, I suppose you could choose to go down there. I personally believe you really can't. Once you see, you see. Once you see how a light it is, Above And that it's real. That's the key, that it's real. It's not what those stuck in very tired now, becoming tired and tiresome and truthfully harmful ruts, those who can't and refuse to even acknowledge that there's any other place than some tiny cabin below the deck. They don't even want to know. And they'll just, they'll tell you, no, it doesn't exist, period. Can you imagine being a blind person and telling those who can see, no, you don't see a damn thing because they can't see it. The fact of the matter is the miraculous world is real. And we need it again. We abandoned it with abandoned. And it wasn't it wasn't for poor reasons. We overcorrected at a time when there was intolerance and we created another intolerant time. Well the world needs us now. We're needed in each life, every one of us. Just calming and taming, they can both be used, our own storm can indeed help but we can also help to tame that greater storm whatever it may be because we are consciously tapped into something that we know is real and that means something. That's important beyond my ability to breath i'm going to close today's show as i promised i would keeping it a bit briefer for for those of you because none of us has infinite time to listen i do thank those of you who are listening and just before the show today i happened to not even looking for it see a way to expand to a couple more syndicates so i may be looking into that for real soon Because it's kind of prompting me to do that. So once again, wherever you are in the world, thank you from my heart. And I hope that your life is feeling the change. It's feeling what's possible. That you continue to grow. Because we all do. Whatever point of the path that we're on, we are all learning and growing. Let's keep that openness. Let's not retreat into yet another cabin of the ship, as Henry David Thoreau might say. It's easy to find those ruts, is what he's saying. Let's not get stuck. Let's be open, open to truth, open to what is real, and following, most of all, that compass inside every heart, which, of course, is omnipresent. Love, that's what guides us. That's our star that we can follow. And that's what embraces us every single day. Every storm can be tamed by that. Take care, everyone. See you next time.